0: He goes nah, and I was, and I was like okay. He's, he was having a he was in New York City at the time. He was having a blast, and uh, and uh, he uh, tech, and then uh, he messaged me, and he's like, you ready for me to come home? And I said nah. <laughs> no, I miss him, and he misses us. Uh, he's he's just having a blast in New York City. If you don't know Pastor Tom, it's his it's his it's his all time dream to be uh, in New York City downtown uh, on Christmas Day. So. Um, you know, though he didn't get Christmas Day, he did get New York City, he got with his, his, uh, his family. Did any of you guys see the, the picture of uh, back in 2001, I think it was a day or two before the World Trade Centers fell, uh, Pastor Tom was in New York City with Kedrick, and they were kind of, Kedrick was a little boy, and he was just kind of holding him in his arms. Well, they, they redid that picture, uh, but Kedrick was standing, and Pastor Tom said something like, uh, he wouldn't let me, you know, like pick him up and reenact the, reenact the picture. I, I would have, man, I would have paid to see that. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Kedrick, yeah. Kedrick is uh, Pastor Tom's oldest, and he will be going to Bible college uh, to, to go into uh, the music, uh, go into music. So, probably be a worship pastor or something along those lines. <clears throat> Thomas A. Edison was working on a crazy contraption called a light bulb. And it took a whole team of men, 24 hours straight to put just one together. When Edison, finished with, when, when Edison was finished with one light bulb, he gave it to a young boy helper who nervously carried it up the stairs. And step by step, he cautiously washed his hands, obviously frightened of frightened of dropping such a priceless piece of work. And I'm sure you guys can guess what happened. He gets to the top of the stairs and the young, poor fellow dropped the bulb. It took the entire team of men another 24 hours to, put, to make another light bulb. And finally, tired and red, this team is ready for a break, Edison was is ready to have his light bulb carried back up the stairs. He gave it back to the same young boy who dropped the first one. That's true forgiveness. Are you thankful that our father treats us in the same manner? He, he really does. He's, he, he's a good father. He doesn't, um, he doesn't wait for us to mess up and then disqualify us. He's a good father that actually wants to give mercy give grace, give forgiveness, to enable us to do what he wants to get done. He's a good father. And the, the title of my message today is I Am Merciful. And I already read um, the passage um, of Psalms 103, but it says the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I am merciful. This is kind of a play on words here. I am is the, the, the term that God revealed himself to Moses. Moses was going into, the, into the Egypt to release the Israelites, and Moses said, well, who should I say sent me? Jesus said, or God said, I am is sending you. I am merciful. See, the reality is, is we, can't, we can't be more merciful than our Father, it's impossible. But because he's merciful, that's, that's our invite to be merciful to others. He is the standard for which we're to live. When you look to the person of Jesus, when you look at God, Jesus was the perfect demonstration, the manifestation of who the Father was in the Old Testament, Jesus said that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus revealed who the Father was in the New Testament. When, we, when you and I read the Bible and we look at Jesus as a person, it's the exact standard by which we're to live our own lives he's a merciful father so at the end of today this idea of i am also merciful i know you're merciful but i'm also merciful because of you i can't i can't give mercy more than him but i can give which i've been given and so my main point today just breaking it down I tried to, this message is so simple. This isn't a message of trying to get introspective and try to see if there's something wrong in your life. This isn't a message on like, let me me show you how to disqualify you from your salvation. This is not a message on that. This is a message for those who wanna go deeper in their faith, those who want more of the Lord, more of God reigning in their life. You know, and I, 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 has anyone ever been um, outside of the United States? Anyone ever been outside the United States, it's awesome. I've been to Mexico, to Spain, to Canada now with some friends. Um, one of the most distinct cultures is Mexico, and I don't know if anyone's ever been to Mexico, but everything, the, it's, it's crazy, you, you go across this bridge, and the moment you cross the bridge, uh, everything changes. The, the homes are different. The, the music is different, the smells, are completely different, have kind of a, a spicy smell to them, if you know what I mean. And there's, there's people on the street selling food, and there's people selling uh, all sorts of like, um, you know, um, kind of, you know, uh, how do you say it, uh, like Mexican, you know, artwork type, type stuff like that. It's just a completely different culture to then, to, to this culture. and. When we, when, when God said, you know, when Jesus said seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto him, the kingdom of God really is a culture that is nothing like our own. Completely, it's, it's at war with our own culture. I'm not talking about the United States, I'm talking about human nature. It's at war with human nature. Human nature and, and, and the kingdom of God are, are complete opposites. And let me illustrate this to you really quick um, in in um, in your workplace, how do you, how do we become leaders in our workplace? We you know we work harder. We try to position ourselves uh, for promotion. You know, whoever can work their way to the top. But the king that's the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of heaven. The culture of heaven is this. In Matthew chapter twenty twenty five, it says. The king, the, but Jesus called them together and said, he's talking to his disciples, you know that the rulers in this world, the leaders of this world, lorded over the people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be a servant. So we're gonna be, we're gonna be talking about a kingdom principle here about not how to, how to for promotion and become great in the kingdom, but we're gonna be talking about how to actually, m- mercy in the kingdom is, is one of the most weighty matters in the kingdom of God. That, if you wanna be familiar with the Mexican culture, learn Spanish, okay? If you wanna be familiar in the Mexican cu- culture, try to start adapting your taste buds to spicy, okay? That, that's how you start to become actually adapted to that culture. The reason why sometimes we have a hard time showing mercy to others is not necessarily because we forget how much we've been forgiven, also, although that's part of it, but a lot of times the reason why we have a hard time showing mercy to others is because we're not actually choosing to adapt to his kingdom. If you're a Christian, If you're a Christian, he actually, he, he says to adapt to his king. That's to, to pick up your cross and follow him. That's, that's the kingdom. If you want to live for your own kingdom, the Christian life is not for you. <laughs> I'm just completely being honest. But if you want more of the Lord, we have to do, his words are life. Inside of his words, you find life. Outside of his words are death. And so everything he says, adapt to it. Every, every, every single thing he says, adapt to it. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. That's, we're, so we're trying to get to that. So mercy, this idea of mercy. Uh, I'm gonna have you guys turn in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 18. Um, th- there's a few Bibles I'm gonna be reading right outside of the, the New Living Translation here. I'm Talking about, uh, it's just a parable that Jesus told, Matthew chapter uh, 20. When I when I'm when I talk about mercy uh, today, uh, you know this idea of forgiveness. That's really what I'm talking about. The kingdom of um, this world. Um, let me back up. When I mean, when I talk about mercy, I'm talking about forgiveness. And when I when I when I mean forgiveness, I don't mean like what your parents made you do to your sibling. Did you tell them you're sorry? Yes, I'm sorry. It's not so much forgiving with our mouth as much as it is forgiving with our heart. And, and so biblical mercy, though, it's forgiving with our heart. The problem is, is we don't know how to understand that. We don't understand, like, okay, well, I'll forgive you with my heart. Like, I'll, I'll really mean it, I'll really mean it. Biblical mercy is, is actually seeing a person as if they've never sinned. Thomas Edison looked at his, his servant, he said, hey, carry that, carry that back up the stairs for me. He, he treated him as though he had never messed up. That's the way our father treats us, but that's not necessarily how we treat others. When someone offends us or hurts us, a lens goes over our eyes and we begin to see them through that lens. So biblical mercy, if, if in, I, wanna, I wanna just very simplify it here is, biblical mercy is forgiving with your heart and what that means, honestly, is forgetting. Now you might say, well, I can't, I can't forget and I would agree with you, you can't forget. But God can forget and anything God does, he enables us to do. He forgets our, our wrong, he forgets our sin, so that we can forget others wrong, forget their sin. But it's o- you can only truly forget, those lens can only truly come off with his help. You can't will them away. You can't be like, I'm gonna try really hard so I can just forget what they've done to me. It's like, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lordship issue. It's saying, Lord, you have to come and help me in this area. I cannot forget what they have done to hurt me, offend me, but I know you have already forgotten their issues, so give me part of your nature, let me see them the same way that you see them. Forgiving, forgetting, that is biblical mercy. So let me illustrate this in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, 21 through 35, we're gonna just read the whole thing, it's it's worth, it's worth this, we've heard this a million times but I, I the, this, this book, these books, I should say, are alive. They are alive. And if, if you're hungry, you'll find something to eat, eat on. So let's, let's do this. The parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Everyone say, often. Who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of God can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with a servant who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His, His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little bit more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded Then the angry king sent the man to the prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Everyone say heart. When we look at this story, the offense, the thing that there's, there's an offense here towards the king, and what is that offense? It's not being able to pay the king back the money that he had borrowed. There's, there's, there's always an offense, even in our own life. There's, there's an offense. Um, people are always going to hurt us, betray us, people are going to let us down broken promises a spouse that walks away there's going to be issues that come up where if we if we don't know how to navigate through that time um, could literally end our walk with god it could end the fruitfulness that god actually wants to bring out of our lives so uh, you know again without without getting too introspective here can you think of one person that has, that has let you down, that has hurt you? You know, uh, it's not that it's not that you want you want them dead. It's that you're just really disappointed with them. You expected better than that, and they let you down. Maybe they they lied. Betrayal is one of the hardest things. Jesus experienced betrayal by one of his closest disciples. Jesus had dozens of disciples, but one of the 12 actually turned his back. So Jesus understands betrayal. There's always gonna be issues in our life, offenses in our life, but here's, here's the truth. and I've been wrestling with this, because I've thought of like, issues in my own self, because every single one of us goes through issues like this. And, I, and I've thought, Lord, am I really supposed to forgive them and forget? Like, Am I, am I I'm, I'm gonna share a message on this, God. Am I really supposed to forget that? <laughs> and sometimes it's like God's like saying, forget what? You know? He's so much better at forgetting our issues than we are. But yes, every person that has hurt you, every person that's, that's driven a wedge, God wants you to forgive and forget, that's his heart to restore all relationships. You know, and it's semi-easy to forgive someone uh, who comes and apologizes. But what about those people that create that, that gap, that don't want to have anything to do with you? You, you dropped the ball for whatever reason, or maybe they did and they're ashamed of it and so they drive that wedge and they just kind of, you know what, I'm, I'm good here. Jesus calls us to forgive and forget. Verse 27 says this. <clears throat> then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Released him, is, is, released him from under arrest, so the king brought him in, arrested him, when he released them, it, it symbolizes forgiveness. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna forgive you. And then it says that he forgave the debt. Uh, when he forgot the debt, or when he forgave the debt, it's like forgetting his debt. And so the kingdom of God is like a king who did this. He's talking about his father. He wants us to forgive and forget. And like I already said, it's easy to forgive someone who who comes and apologizes, but what do you do about those people that create the wedge and who want distance? And I want to propose my second point. My first point is often show mercy. Often show mercy. Peter asked how many times must we show mercy? And Jesus said often show mercy. He said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Don't, don't get legalistic on that number. He's saying often, Peter. Jesus could have responded with one word. How, how, often should I, how often should I forgive Jesus? Often, often, many times, many times. My second point is often you make it right. Often you be the one to make it right. This is called maturity. Who likes to, who likes to um, barbecue? Anyone, any barbecuers in the room? Anyone like to smoke their meats? Fish guy, steak guy, um, chicken guy. Yes, 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 all of them? Yes, oh, obviously. I love, I love to grill. I, it's just the best. And I'm sorry I'm talking about it during our corporate 40-day fast. But <laughs> ribeye is my, probably my favorite cut. It's just the best flavor of all. But this is, this is what um, heaven's culture tells us to do. Proverbs 25, t- uh, 21, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. If you want to become familiar with heaven, make this part, become familiar with this in your own lifestyle. Not intellectually, head knowledge does not do much but hearers of the word and doers of the word will change your life. They'll change the direction of everything. We're just a couple decisions away from the kingdom. Just a couple decisions. But, be, but because we sometimes prefer sacrifice and not mercy, we miss it. We're just a couple, couple decisions away. You wanna, if you want to get more familiar, be familiar with this passage. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Now, I like to barbecue, I love it, but I don't go out and buy a ribeye cut, I might go out and buy a round cut from my enemy. Right? At the end, I mean, I hope that I would choose ribeye for him if I would even cook for him at all. The reality is, our culture is, if you've offended me, first thing we do, unfriend on Facebook. That's, that's the level in which we've gotten to because we're cultured to our own kingdoms. We don't, we're not familiar with his kingdom. His kingdom says, if you're, if you're not friends with your enemy, friend them on Facebook. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. This is a b- bizarre concept because it's, it's so at war with the way that we do life. When someone offends us, first thing to go up is either the silent treatment or the unfriend button on Facebook. If they're thirsty, give them some water. But in heaven, when people are offended at you, or with you, it's not an invite to retreat. When people are frustrated and mad at you, either because you did something wrong or they did something wrong, they're embarrassed. It's not, the heavens culture is never to retreat. It's always to advance. It's always to move forward, and so, and so, the response is what the way that Jesus pursued us. You know, um, Jesus was the only one on the planet that that had the right to hold offense towards us because we broke his law. He didn't break ours. He was the only one. Sometimes we just think, well, that's what God does. He's just a God of love, so it's obvious he would have came to, the, came to earth to, to free us from our sin. The reality is, is the, same, the same hurt that you carry about that person, that, 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 that offense, the person that let you down, was the same feeling that he felt. Because he has feelings. He's a real, he's a real person, real God. And every sin that we have done against them, he felt real hurt, real offense. Then he comes down to the planet. Why? Because the culture of heaven is not to retreat. It's not to unfriend. It's actually to pursue and engage. And so let me illustrate this. In Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. If you want to turn there, you can. I also have it on the screen. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so so Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and and other disreputable sinners. But when when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifice. For I've not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners." Matthew was a tax collector. He, he sat, we know that he was sitting by a, a, a seaport. Some scholars think that maybe he taxed unfairly for like, you know, as seafarers came in, that he would overtax them. But I did, I was reading this week about how there's, there are parts of the Jewish law that they legalized be for any Jewish person to be able to lie to a tax collector. You could legally lie because uh, it would protect your assets, and um, and obviously that's a whole different issue. But that tells you how ruthless tax collectors were. They would tax you. They they were people, um, probably uh, Israelites or you know anyone, Israelites or Gentiles, working with the Roman Empire as tax collectors so that Caesar could get paid. Ma- Matthew is one of these people. He's overcharging people so that Rome gets their, their cut, and then he gets the, the, the rest left over. And I'm sure it wasn't like $100 to them, 20 cents to me. I'm sure it was ungodly. I'm sure if, they, if, if the Jewish law legalized being able to lie to these people, you know it was more substantial than a few pennies. And so Jesus comes and he actually engages with a tax collector, Matthew, and not only does he talk with him, he actually invites him to be a disciple. He says, Matthew, come become like me. Come be my follower. So Matthew follows him. That's mercy in and of itself. But then Matthew gets a bunch of his friends together. More tax collectors. More sinners, it says. And then when the Pharisees saw this, they come along, they're like, whoa, tax collectors. Tax collectors tax collectors, and sinners. See, the Israelites, the reason why God chose Israel, he chose them. It's, it's not necessarily his favorite country, it's his chosen country. Chosen for what? Chosen to actually model how to know God and to how to make him known. The Israelites, that was supposed to be their identity. If you saw an Israelite, you could see a person very cultured to heaven. You would, you would know what heaven's like if you saw an Israelite. That's why God chose the Israelites. That's why he's chosen us. But now, those same Israelites, the Pharisees, are saying, wow, you're eating with such scum. You're, you're hanging out with this, those people and those people, and they're just, they're just filthy people. Every word that comes out of their mouth is, a, is a profane. Look at the dress she has on. Do you know what they, where they were last night? The alcohol they drank, and just on and on. That's what the Pharisees were doing, and Jesus he's genius. He, say, he says, go and learn the meaning of this passage. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. See, heaven values mercy more than sacrifice. Jesus was saying, look to me, Look what I'm doing, I've, I've, I've called the tax collector, I'm hanging out with all of his friends, sinners, whatever, you know, however you want to um, describe sinners. Look at me, look what I'm doing, Israel. Heaven's culture. If you really knew God, you would do what I'm doing. You would pursue mercy. See, my second point is often, you be the one to make it right. Jesus didn't stay in heaven. He didn't stay on the retreat. He was he didn't stay offended at us, but he had real feelings of offense. And you see that in, sometimes in the Old Testament, his wrath burned against people because he's such a holy father, he's such a holy God. This is before the cross, before he took out all of his anger, all of his all of justice on the man Jesus Christ. After that moment, now we have we have, we have one option, to receive Jesus, to receive mercy. Everyone say, often. We need to move from the defensive position to the offensive position of mercy. Matthew chapter 18, verse 28. Let's read verse uh, 28 and 29. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid. See, the king actually did two things. And We said this earlier. He arrested the servant and demanded payment. Then he released his servant and cleared the debt. That's what the king did for the first servant. If he only released the servant, fine, fine, you're, um, you're, you're out of my custody, you're, or you're, You're you're forgiven. Um, I'm going to release you from the handcuffs. Soldiers, guards, release him. He can go out. Give me more time, the first servant said. King said, okay, fine, I'll give you more time. Go and pay me back. If he had done that, then we could legally hold grudges because we're just modeling what the king did. But because he actually released him, take the handcuffs off him, and then said, forget about the debt. That's, that's what binds us to actually forget people's offense. Giving mercy is not an option in the Christian faith if you received his mercy. Matthew chapter 18 Matthew chapter 18, verse 32, uh, this is the end of the story. It says, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my f- heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Everybody say heart. That's the issue. It's not enough to forgive someone. It's not enough to forgive your cousin, whoever, fill in the blank, and be able to go to the same family reunions with him. But the moment you walk into the room, I just, I just, I know you. I know what you've done to my family. I know what you've said about me. I know how you betrayed me. I just, I, you know, you know what? That's okay. Let's just get past that. Let's just eat hamburgers. Let's don't say a word to, to each other, but let's just do this for the sake of the family. Jesus said, this is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. if God didn't forgive your debt, meaning if he didn't forget your debt, he couldn't treat you as sons and daughters. He would treat you as orphans. He would treat you as, as slaves. He would treat you as someone that's not in his family. But because he, he chooses to forget. God told Abraham that he's going to have a son and yet Abraham went and slept with his Wife-servant. And um, to us, that looks like Abraham didn't have faith. Jesus comes on the scene, lives a perfect life, dies, and his blood falls. And his blood literally touches that, that scene in the Old Testament. And then in Hebrews, it talks about Abraham as being someone who is remembered as, as faithful. Never wavered in his faith. How do, you make that, how do you make that connection? He doesn't remember. He chooses not to remember. How does an infinitely, poss- infinitely powerful God forget? The same way that he's all-powerful, he's all-powerful to choose to forget. So he chooses to forget. But here he's saying, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. God can choose to remember if he, if he needs to. He can choose to forget. He can choose to remember. He's an all-powerful God. We can't treat him like he's a, he's a genie. He's not a genie. He's completely full of awesome. He's just his, 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 his person is completely sacred. Should be revered. Are you thankful that God chooses to forget? I am very, very thankful for that. God chooses to forget who I was before, now I'm a son. I would be written down in Hebrews chapter 12 as well that I was someone who's considered to be faithful and so would you if you're a son or daughter because he chooses to not remember. chooses not to remember our faults and our failures. in the same way that we've received that great honor, the great honor that that is—it's so enabling. We need to make sure that we give that out quickly. And, you know, if you have a, a family member, you know, um, that's that's you know, it, that's let me, let me back up here. There are people in our lives. You know, someone might say, "Well, what about murderers and you know, uh, sex offenders and all that?" You know. What's, what's your take on that? Well, here's the, the reality. Um, Romans chapter 13 talks about or not yeah, Romans chapter 13 talks about governing authorities. God has actually placed governing authorities to execute justice. And if you're in that position, then be in that position. But if you're not in that position, don't try to do what they're doing. Don't try to be the one to execute justice, because the level in which you judge others will be the level in which you're judged. It's, 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 it's so dangerous for me to look at that person and say, oh, that, that addiction, that addiction, that addiction, oh man, those people. In heaven, the tables are turned. God's gonna say, that addiction, that addiction, that addiction. So give mercy often, often give mercy. Then you'll receive mercy. Sometimes we want to pick and choose who we give it to. I will do my best to forgive you. It's going to take a lot of God to forget, and it does. But I'm going to do my best to forgive you and forget you, 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 and all the issues that you've ever done to me, but not you. And I just want to encourage you guys just with one, just one concept here, to forgive them too. We want to pick and choose. Jonah in, in, um, in, in Sunday school, I was taught a lot that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared of people, of vi- how violent they are, and how just ruth- ruthless they were, and they would turn on him. That's just completely farther from the truth. That's, that's not it at all. The truth why Jonah didn't want to go to heaven is found in John chapter three, all the way up to chapter four. and just a couple verses. Excuse me, this is what, this is, what um, is recorded. When God saw... This is after a 40-day fast. The Ninevites, they were just wicked, terrible people. They had offended Jonah and the nation. Nineveh was, it wasn't fully quite the capital, but was almost the capital of Assyria. Assyria, they wiped out the Israelites many times. Um, and, and so Jonah receives this word, go and tell, um, tell the Nineveh that they're going to be destroyed in 40 days. You know, you know what Jonah's attitude was as a prophet? Yes, my break has finally come. I can't wait to go give this word. You know, no, it wasn't. He wanted, he wanted them to actually be destroyed. And let me, let me illustrate this. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, this is the Ninevites, the Assyrians, really, really just wicked people. He had changed his mind, this is God, and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Jonah, and then, and then um, chapter one, verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. You're slow to get angry, and you're filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. See, Jonah wanted the Assyrians, the Ninevites, to be destroyed. They were his enemy. They offended him, his culture, and if Nineveh went down, that would be a huge victory for Israel. And so you're telling me, God, that I'm supposed to go out and give this word and now you're going to give compassion and mercy? The reason why Jonah didn't go is because he actually knew that God would show them mercy. He knew that, uh, Jonah knew that God would actually do it. That's the reason why he didn't go. You know, and as Christians, we know that God is merciful and compassionate. He's just he's just just humbling ourselves, just saying, God, your, your kingdom come, your will, not my will, your kingdom, not the American culture, not the Mullen culture, not here on first culture, your kingdom come, your will be done. The moment we do that, we realign lordship, priorities. He becomes lord, he becomes a center. And sometimes we can know his mercy and you know, when we mess up, he chooses not to remember. He just sees us like he would see his own son. But it can't be enough that we know it and experience his mercy. God said, Is it right for you to be upset about this, Jonah? Isn't Nineveh 120,000 persons? Isn't there even animals that live there? Is it right for you to be upset that your enemy is getting mercy? God wants everyone to be free. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be free. So let's uh let's close with a with a prayer here. I What are you supposed to do with this? Be more merciful. Okay forgive and forget. Okay. Sometimes the, the best thing to do is, is out loud, out of your mouth, actually prophesy. Say, God I want to be more merciful. Help me. I want to be more merciful. Help me. Sometimes it's actually to speak it out into, the, into this realm. To actually pr- pr- prophetically declare that. God help me to show mercy. Help me to actually forgive and forget. Because here's the reality. He wants you He wants you to to live in mercy more than you want to live in mercy. And so naturally we go to him when we want what he wants. Another practical thing I want, to, I want you guys to think about, it's found in Colossians, but it just says make an allowance for each other's faults. Make an allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make an allowance. You can hurt me a hundred times and I'm not gonna get mad at you. You can hurt me a thousand times and I'm not gonna get mad at you. That's what I mean. Think about those people that have hurt you. Maybe, you know, maybe you've done everything that you can to reach out to them, but God actually, he wants you to become like him and he came to us. And so when I say go out and, and make it right, you be the one to make it right, don't force it. Just just in love, the same way that you would treat your, your spouse or your kids, someone very close to you, treat them with that same respect. Don't force you into my agenda and we're gonna talk and we're gonna get this straightened out. Let it happen, because God wants it to be restored more than you do, so he'll help you. So if you wanna just put us on some music, Um, We have just a few minutes left here. This is what it says in Hebrews 8, 12. It says, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. This is what God says about us. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember your sins, their sins. Jesus, we're here this morning. God and we're thankful for your mercy, God. This is a very elementary, very, very simple message of mercy. It's, easy, it's even easy for our minds to comprehend it. Sometimes faith and miracles and prophecy, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around it, but mercy is very simple, very simple, God. We've, we've been given mercy. You want us to give it out, but, but God, we, we have a hard time doing this. We have a real hard time doing this. We we say we forgive people with our mouth. We try, we try so hard in our own will. But God Lord, we, we want to come under your lordship. And we want we, we actually need you to help us forget, like you forget. Every single time it's His will to forgive and forget. Every single time. So this morning if this morning if you don't know what to do he wants you to show mercy often he just wants you to show mercy often make an allowance just just oh man just when people when people say a word against you just instantly grill a mistake if people are just you know, they, they gossip about you. Go to them. Say, hey, you said something that wasn't true. Or maybe don't even accuse them, but say, hey, I've been hearing this about me. Is this true? And, to actually, and actually to pursue them, show mercy often. Forgive and forget. Forget what they have done and pursue them. You be the one. You be the more mature one. Don't let, don't let them have to come to you. Don't let judgment day be the day that he said, you wicked servant, after all that I've done for you, you couldn't forgive them from your heart. You had to hold on to that, and yet I choose to not remember. I choose to not hold on. Don't let that be the issue. Don't let judgment day be that issue. Let the judgment day be faithful servant, faithful to forgive, faithful to show mercy. So God, that's where we're at this morning. We want to be more cultured to your kingdom because we're going to live there for a real long time. And mercy resides in heaven. So God, Lord, as we, as we take one step forward in this, that I just pray for mercy, myself, my family, church family. Thank you, God. Help us, God, to show mercy to others. In Jesus' name, amen.